0: You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Ooh, Barkley again with a big hole and he's into the open field. One man to beat inside the 10 and Barkley to the end zone. A touchdown for the Giants.
0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan.
1: Good afternoon, Grump. No thunderstorms today, so we'll actually be able to do this show without having tornadoes in sight or running into our our basements.
0: No, no, no. Here, I got the perfect sound effect for you. You ready? Go for it. There you go. That's was that (laughs) that was a beer from my local brewery
1: (laughs) fantastic this is you know
0: it's the beginning of june the the weather is really good and uh i am no longer working long days and we are we are in the dog days of summer coming up
1: oh we absolutely are and uh how can they find us grump
0: well now that we have the free time, you can find us a lot more on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump, and he is at The Cranky Fan. Um, the podcast is all over the place now. Um, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, Podbean. It, it, really easy to find now.
1: Yes, yeah, soon to be on iHeartRadio. Soon to be on a whole bunch of places coming up soon. So, one place we won't be on very soon, apparently, is iTunes. I guess it's going away to be replaced by separate apps. So, yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, iTunes. Whatever. I kind of like Napster better when I got all my music for free, but that's, <laughs> that's just me. For all you old timers out there, you yeah, know who fantastic. think that, uh, who thinks that Giants history started when they drafted Odell Beckham or when they won their last Super Bowl. Napster was something where you got your music for free. That's why we don't have those little CDs or records anymore.
0: The uh the kiss of death for Napster actually uh Do they do they play it? Yeah, they play it. they play it MetLife, uh, a couple Metallica songs, right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh you know, just a little fun background. We often kind of point out how how often we hear the exact same songs at stadiums <laughs> and it, it's never just MetLife Stadium it's wherever we go there's kind of like a uh, an over under count on Guns N' Roses is a big one anybody I mean-
1: a- a- dc oh, yeah. Metallica, yeah, they're all, you know, all our favorites, all our rock-chock favorites from the past 25-30 years.
0: So I wouldn't be surprised if people who weren't around when the songs came out can only Identify by the 10 second clip that plays in stadiums
1: <laughs> to that, uh, you know, Jack White is eternal. Grateful for the, uh, stream of income. you will have from now until the end of time, the seven nation army. I, I, I,
0: I can't, b- it's such a bizarre song to have like made it in stadiums.
1: Well, it was one of those things as we really digress. Yeah, Cause sorry, we're in the dog, whatever. dog, dog days of summer that, uh, it started off in, um, European soccer, that was a big chant, and I, I remember see that
0: That makes and,
1: sense. And then what I remember was like this is back in 2008, the Tampa Bay Rays run to the during the postseason. Somebody posted like, "Hey, they do this in England. It'd be pretty cool if we did it here." And I think every fan base simultaneously did the same thing because all of a sudden that became it. Now it's so uh, ubiquitous now for every um, every team. But oh well, it beats rock and roll part two where a uh, convicted uh you know sex abuser is spending his days in jail but now I really digress yeah
0: um so last week we kind of went through the first four games of the season, season gave our uh, our early predictions and kind of how we saw the games playing out uh we're going to continue that on this episode as we go through weeks 5 through 8 but first I just kind of want to talk about how like what is going on and the answer is really not much.
1: No, I mean, we're going to have another OTA coming up. Isn't there a minicamp coming up pretty shortly as well?
0: Yeah, the, the Giants, I guess, were worried that they would play in the Hall of Fame game. I guess there was a significant chance that they would. And I'm not really sure what the formula is for figuring that out. But because of that, they accelerated their offseason. So they kind of crammed everything in the beginning. And so we have OTAs starting... For for those of you listening on Tuesday, would be today. That's like three days, and then a mini camp uh, the following week, and then uh, it's off for summer.
1: Mm-hmm. And again, the mantra for this is: we don't really care whose footwork looked good, who looked like they were jumping ahead. All we care about is that every single player who comes into mini camp, any OTAs, comes out of the OTAs in mini camp healthy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you cannot emphasize enough how important it is that these are just drills, just guys getting together and uh, maybe learning the very little bits of you know vocabulary, uh, some minor plays, running through drills, and staying healthy. It is like really the only thing that needs to happen here.
1: Life in the NFL. I mean, learning where to be at what time, and learning you know what the veterans do and how they prepare for everything because. You know how you win on Sundays. How you prepared during the week, and how you prepared during the week starts now. So you know these guys are going from being rookies, undrafted free agents, to becoming NFL players, and they have to learn what it's like to be. So um, one thing we're not going to worry about, Grump, are bullshit articles that we see. You know, usually by someone like ESPN who just needs you know to hear themselves talk and. I noticed today they had posted something called progress reports for all 32 first-round picks.
0: Now meanwhile, it sounds, bo- they, sounds they, they were drafted like a month and a week ago.
1: Exactly, none of them have had pads on yet. Uh, it's sound and fury, signifying nothing. This article, you know, I, progress to me is that you're not hurt. Progress Progress to me is that you are watching and observing. You are learning how to, you know, learn, like I said, to be on time for meetings, learning how to vocabulary, like Grump said, and everything. So, you know, if we even want to, you know, dignify this with a response, uh, J- Jordan ran on, uh from ESPN New York, I think he's on 98.7, said, Daniel Jones, Has looked like he belongs working with the second and third team offenses early in his giant career. Well, first of all, it's not even the beginning of his giant career. It's before the beginning of his giant career. (laughs) And second of all, yes, unless you are a desperate franchise looking to accelerate your season ticket sales by rushing out your marquee name – You want him to be a second and 13 quarterback right now. You want him absorbing and learning and taking snaps and, you know, working out. You know, this is the first time Daniel Jones is really stepping up in coaching from, you know, the scrubs that Duke had. You know, apologies to to Cutcliffe, but I'm quite certain his support staff is not one-fifth of what the Giants have. So he's learning all over again how to be a quarterback. So I honestly don't give a shit what his progress is from late april to early june so read at your own peril yeah
0: um kind of pointless and it's fine if you guys need to read about every little play or whatever just try not to take it to heart it's not worth it it means nothing and you know the only significant news that we're ever going to hear is that somebody got injured
1: it's kind of funny, Grump. You always hear in the offseason right now you want to hear about every single throw, every overthrow, every bounce throw, every pick. But nobody cares about that practice on Tuesday in Week 11. You know, Daniel Jones is still going to be learning throughout this entire season. We don't expect him to play any meaningful minutes at all this year unless he has to due to injury or we're 2-13 and 13 and it's irrelevant. But nobody seems to care about, you know… Is he bouncing balls or overthrowing later in the season? It's always now. It's just – this is just silly season and there's no news is bad news. So don't create false controversies and worrying you – know, staying up at night worrying about if Daniel Jones is overthrowing somebody or hasn't quite beaten out the backup quarterback just yet.
0: Exactly, yeah. Um, And I guess with that, we've had no news. So that is – Another week of good news.
1: Yeah, yeah, so far. Um, Just to kind of circle back to what you said before about possibly being in a Hall of Fame game, I I know we're not, but I am glad we aren't. Um, Preseason is for... (laughs) It's for the networks to have more inventory to show. I mean, even... uh, I saw today, I believe, the commissioner was saying that he would like to find a way to reduce the amount of preseason games, and he even he said that he has talked to coaches, and they question the value for evaluation and preparation in the in having four preseason games. So, you know, I know the um, the season ticket holder gets screwed because they're forced to buy two tickets. Although we appreciate the Giants lowering the face value of those tickets, so we're not getting screwed as badly. But it's still something we have to pay for, and it's very difficult to. Resell those tickets. I know there's a lot of giant fans who out there don't have season tickets, and you know would like to go to any game possible. But even those are just waste. Like no one hardly goes. So you know, maybe someday in the future we will drop down to you know two preseason games or, or something.
0: Well, let, let me let me tell you something. The commissioner's no dummy. Um, <laughs> if they drop two, two two preseason games, it's because they're adding two to the regular season. They're yeah. going to a nineteen game or nineteen week regular season.
1: And remember one other thing, guys. Uh college doesn't have preseason. Their first game of the year, I mean Florida's first game. They're playing Miami right out of the shoot. You know, we've seen Alabama play Florida State and stuff right out of the shoot. They don't need four weeks to evaluate or four weeks to get their reps in. They go. Um and usually those games are pretty good. They're not as they're not as sloppy as like a bowl game is for we're a month off either. So no. We'll we'll see what happens with the fate of preseason games in the future. I think at some point, like Grump said, you might see some sort of conversion down to two preseason games and up to eighteen, but that's going to take some uh, negotiation with the union for sure.
0: Yeah, and and as we start talking about the regular season here, we can jump right into our season preview number two, week five. So as a brief recap. Uh, After four games, I have the Giants at 500 going two and two, and the Cranky Fan has them at one and three, a dismal, bleak outlook.
1: Eh, you know, one and three, but I think if we went back to last week's episode, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't as hopeless after week four as I did like last year. Yeah. I mean, I I believe I talked about, uh, you know, the Redskin game and the Buck game, like we might be playing a little better than you know we did in Week One, obviously. And I didn't think we'd be as disgusting as we were in the early first couple of games of last year, like the offensive line being a complete sieve and things like that. So there will be some improvement. I, I don't think 2019 is the year to worry about the record, worrying about what place we're in, worrying about wild cards or any of that nonsense. This is this is probably going to be the last year of the rebuild in terms of. Being non-competitive in the rebuild.
0: Yeah, I think I can agree with that. So when I started this, week five uh, is at home against the Minnesota Vikings at 1 o'clock. When I started this, I immediately wrote down lost pen. And then I started kind of going through the individual matchups, which, again, this is all sort of academic. The rosters aren't set yet. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows – you know who's going to go down with an injury for the year. Who's going to rise to the top? Trades can still happen. Free agent signings can still happen. All and, these and things by, are still popping. And
1: by then, we have some trends. I mean, Minnesota could be five and zero, oh, could be zero oh and five, and it's like, oh, we don't want to play them right now. So again, this is all for fun, and just everything is in a little vacuum. But play along with us. It, it's it's June.
0: Yeah. So as I started going through the uh, as I started going through the the, the matchups here, I uh. I kind of think the Vikings are crumbling a little bit. I, I think they're starting to break down the way that the Giants broke down on a, on a roster level around 2009. If you take a look at their offensive line, it's just it's just slowly getting old without real influx of talent. And I think that that doesn't match up well for them, and I think it matches up pretty well for the Giants. I think they're able to take control in the line and beat down an aging and unspectacular line. And they get to Kirk Cousins, who... Kirk Cousins is kind of a two face, right? I mean, like when he when he's calm and and cool under pressure, he's pretty deadly. But when he starts to panic, he does some dim wit things, and uh, you know he takes sacks in the time that you can't take a sack instead of throwing it away. He he throws down the middle of the field, you know, just throwing it up for grabs. He does some bullshit sometimes that just makes no sense, and I I think that even though the skill position players for Minnesota are are really good, um, now that they've added Irv Smith to the mix too with, you know, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and um, uh, Kyle Rudolph, you know, they'll have big plays that happen in spurts, but their inability to ever really get a rhythm, which is something Giants fans should be used to, is what we've been (laughs) seeing for years, it comes back to bite them. And I, I think that eventually a Giants offense can wear down in the trenches slow down the pass rushers and you know it's it's boring to watch offensively because they don't do anything big downfield they just win based on a thousand field goals you know what i mean a touchdown maybe two but mostly just just doing enough to get to field goal range and doing enough on defense and i actually changed my mind to a win in pencil when i really truly looked at the rosters
1: Oh, I wish I had the optimism you did, my son. I am still going to go at loss and pencil, you know, until, until we are proven that we have a pass rush. I can't believe yet that, you know, a a sort of crumbling offensive line, we can just exploit it at any cost just yet. I think it's one of those, uh, we're not quite there yet in the redevelopment of our, you know, defensive line and what we want to do with putting pressure on the quarterback. And, uh, I think it'll be a closer game than I think people think it might be. I mean, you just see Vikings Giants on the schedule, and a tucked away in a one o'clock game that you know the national audience wouldn't necessarily watch. It might be a little closer. They may cover the spread, but I am not ready to say we're going to win this game just yet. If this game was in Minnesota, I'd have this in in super pen, but I'm going to put this in pencil as a loss.
0: In sharpie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I. I, I i think i agree i I think we're on the same page overall and it's just kind of i have a higher opinion of the giants players because i know them a little bit better and what they're capable of Uh, Mm -hmm. and not so much with opposing team players for the most part
1: um now just to add to your preamble before we started this if you know we pick up off the scrap heap uh you know uh, an edge rusher from some camp you know do a salary cap cut or something or whatever. I mm-hmm. might change my opinion about this game this This game to me is is closer in the, in the pencil than you know it's closer to invisible pencil than it is to Sharpie, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, as it stands right now to me, I, I still think we're a little bit of losers lose, and uh, we're not quite there yet to being winners win. Well, and I think this is a game we lose.
0: Well, my, my my optimism is short-lived as the Giants turn around for Week Six to a Thursday night game in New England. Uh, that's a loss in pen, and it's it's one that I'm pretty sure TVs start changing channels pretty quick on this one.
1: I have one guarantee about this game. I will be on Bourbon Street that Thursday night getting ready for Florida LSU. We are getting in a day early to watch this game on Bourbon Street. I will be drinking heavily but that's 7.20 Central Standard Time kickoff. So that I can guarantee you. It may numb the pain I may have from watching this game because we all know the Patriots take the first month and use it as ex- extended training camp. And if this game was in week two, maybe week three, I might feel there may be a chance for an upset. I have a feeling that by week six, they're going to get their shit in gear. Um, I don't have the Patriots schedule in front of me, but maybe there's a game like a week four, week five game that they lose, that they shouldn't lose. And we have the annual, is Brady washed up? Is this the end of the run? Maybe Belichick will be coaching in Team X next year, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden... The magic elixir of seeing the giants will come and they will beat the living shit out of us. It doesn't matter talent level, how much better or worse they are. This is a game. There is no way we win.
0: There are two ways that this game goes either because it's a Thursday, the giants actually start out decently on offense and they go back and forth with the Patriots putting up points. Um, And then as the game goes on and Belichick adjusts the defense to eliminate Barkley and force the throws down the field and Eli to stay in the pocket and uh, shuts down everything underneath, then it becomes a runaway or because it's a Thursday, the Giants start off like garbage and they end like garbage and it ends before halftime. This is the only two ways I see this game going. I, I don't see Brady having any trouble staying in the pocket. I think they have a solid offensive game plan that manages quick throws and inside runs and screes, uh, strictly to abuse the linebacker talent or lack thereof. And then then they start torching the inexperienced in the secondary.
1: The only benefit we may have for something like this is a short week. And, you know, something we... You know, we laugh and kid about how old Brady is, but the fact that he is 41 years old and we're expecting a pretty quick turnaround time for him. So that might come to- and also the amount of time for game planning may not be there as well. So that kind of levels the playing field a little bit.
0: Well, I, you know what? I will I will say this. They're playing a decent team in terms of pass rush on the sixth when they play the Redskins. So if Brady were to get beat up a little bit in that game, I would say, yeah, you have a point. There, there's a good there. There would be a chance that if he got beat up a little bit on Sunday, and the quick turnaround to Thursday might work in the Giants' favor in terms of maybe he's a little gun shy, maybe he's a little limited in his movement because he hasn't had the time to recover. You know that that's that's possible. Mm-hmm.
1: But I am going. Uh, I'm going kind of sharpie pen in this one for a loss.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I didn't know that was an option, so I just did regular pen. But
1: regular regular pen. We'll, if, we'll, if you we'll, if you yeah.
0: will loan me your sharpie, I would use it.
1: <laughs> so let's go officially pen. But so that puts me now at what one in five.
0: Yeah, you're you're at one in five, and I'm at three and three. So I'm staying at five hundred, but it's not looking all that good. The wins are ugly. The losses are uglier.
1: But I'm going to say this though. I'm going to say that this one in five is not going to be as bad looking as last year. I mean the you know. You might hear some calls from the idiots out there, the fire, you know, Shermer fired Gettleman. The draft pick was a bust, you know, blah, 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 uh, But I think overall the team is going to – if you're going to compare game film and stuff to week six this year compared to week six last year, I think you're going to see noticeable improvement. Uh, it's just they're not going to be winning yet.
0: So just as a quick aside, how we do these things, I archive all of this footage. So if by this point the Cranky Fan is one of the idiots calling for the firing of Shermer, I will replay that audio of him calling himself an idiot.
1: No, I mean I did say I didn't – last year I did say I didn't like what Shermer was doing a lot of the time like in game calling. If you Remember that, especially – Of course. yeah, after, no. I'm only the, playing around. Yeah, after the Atlanta game, but I never went to fire him. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's the worst thing a franchise can do, is just you know constant changing just for the sake of change. Having said that, I wasn't very happy with his in-game decisions. Right, and you know hopefully that will improve.
0: I do think that if you recognize a mistake, you should cut it loose, like what Arizona did with Steve Wilkes. I think that that was a disaster at head coach, and I, I had my reservations about us potentially taking him at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, But at the same time, there's nothing more detrimental to your team than bringing a new coach in and immediately losing
1: him. Yeah, It's just, I mean— especially, especially when you're looking at the roster of a team and you're seeing this is not a— It doesn't matter if Vince Lombardi came back from the dead, you know— so it would be three and 13 I mean, Arizona is Arizona. They're a bad team.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and that flows perfectly The in week seven, the giants take Arizona at one o'clock. And, <laughs> um, you know, I, I tried really hard to think of a way that this wouldn't be a win in pen. And I, I, you know, I, I can't, the, the, the Arizona roster is a long way from getting better. They're on the right track, but they are, this, this is a bad team. Yeah. Um, I do think the Giants do everything they can to fuck it up. I think they start. <laughs> yeah, I think they do some stupid shit where they're throwing the ball a lot early into a a fairly talented secondary. Um, I say fairly only because I, and, and somebody somebody cringed when I said that. But yes, I know Patrick Peterson and uh, you know et cetera back there. But. Um. I say that because, you know, David Amerson, of all their talented guys, is the youngest at 27. Then you've got Peterson's like 29, Alfred's 30, Tremaine Brock is 30. I mean, this this is not a it's not a very young secondary, all, even though they are talented. But regardless, I think eventually, you know, the Cardinals are just not equipped on the defensive line and in the front seven to win a long-term battle in the trenches. And that is what the Giants are building towards right now. And, you know, without really ever having having to threaten deep, they, they're just slowly able to carve up the defense underneath to move the chains and, you know, win the game methodically, kind of the way it was played in, like, I don't know, what, the 80s?
1: I, I was going to go back and say, for all you people, you know, used to get their music before Napster, remember, when the Cardinals were in the NFC East, we always played that, ugly game against arizona you know that home game where you know we lost in november it's like what the hell are we losing to a team like this for or something so um i'm gonna put this as a win in pencil not quite there yet to say this giant team can beat anybody in pen just yet um but put this down as a bold prediction this is the week that saquon barkley will win nfc offensive player of the week
0: you know, I that's that's funny. I, I actually have that that Barkley is the, the guy who really carries the team. Like I said, it's it's all about winning in the trenches for this game. And this is we, – we said it on the last one that like as the Giants, you know, win, lose, keep it close depending on who's making the prediction. We both agreed that the first couple of games of the season are not set up for Barkley to have a big performance.
1: Mm-hmm. And especially because until late you kind of – Golden Tate gets you know assimilated more into the offense and everything. And I think they're going to go kind of run heavy too. They're going to try to work on that you know with this offensive line, try to establish to run more and use him as that safety valve more in a little pass behind the line of scrimmage and everything. But uh, I think this is the game where you're going to see like he has 205 rushing yards, you know, a couple of touchdowns, maybe even a receiving touchdown, and it's just like this is the one where all the memes come out about him and everything. And I think you will see him being you know, NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Just a bold prediction.
0: I like it. I agree. Uh, what do we think Kyler Murray looks like in this game?
1: I think he'll flash on some things that make you say, oh, that's why this is number one pick in the draft. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of rookie foolishness as well. Again, I, w- I wish we had more of a pass rush that I can count on. That I could, you know, really force the issue with him, but uh, yeah, I think I think we'll see some things out of him. It's like, wow, this guy. Maybe they knew what they were doing when they when they traded, you know, Josh Rosen and everything.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I, I wrote this down. That uh, he shows us all what made him special, but it's going to be a long season for him, running for his life behind an offensive line comprised of depth players with little at running back and nothing much more than a 16-year veteran at wide receiver. I mean, uh-huh. that's really it. I mean, it's not going to be his fault. I think he's going to take off a lot on his legs, even though he does do a good job of kind of scrambling and keeping his eyes downfield, and he's able to throw well on the run. All these things that I raved about, personally, I just think that the team around him is too untalented. You know, when he was at Oklahoma, that's, that's a very, very talent-heavy team in in a conference, you know, in in a a big conference. You know, here, the the difference between talent level is not as big. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, guys aren't going to be running, hopefully, guys are not going to be running free in the secondary for him to, you know, keep his eyes down and just kind of throw it when he's running for his life.
1: For, you know, what we saw from him in college, you know, you can kind of compare him to like a – Johnny Manziel type of guy. Did a lot with his legs, can throw downfield, do things. like He seems like he's got a much better head on his shoulders. He doesn't seem like a party animal who doesn't take his craft seriously like him. But I think you're going to see that type of you know survival instincts like Manziel did, especially early on in his career with this really bad offensive line that they have.
0: I agree. Uh, he's just way more talented than Manziel ever was.
1: Manziel was... One of the most talented guys for in the college game I've ever seen as a as a quarterback, but there is a major leap between college and the NFL, and it's not just ability and physical skills; it's between the ears. Oh. And that guy had space between the ears.
0: I, I but listen, I I'm not trying to downplay what Mansell was able to do in college. I just. I think very highly of what Kyler Murray is capable of doing. I think if he had played the same amount of years as Manziel did, it wouldn't mm. even be a debate.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true.
0: Um, nevertheless, also, I, I really also, thought that Manziel was going to squash the rumors of being a partier and, and really show the NFL what he was made of, and he just totally dashed that theory of mine.
1: Yeah, it will be interesting to see what Kyler Murray would have done in the SEC because remember – uh, Manziel had a face, you know, it was in the sec West had a face Bama a couple of years, actually beat Bama the one year. Yep. Um, but you know, those defenses, I mean, the, the, big 12 is not a defensive league. We all know that it's, uh, it's a video game league. And, uh, for someone like him, it really, you know, for Kyler Murray, he made his money in the, you know, the final three, four games of the season when, you know, these crazy shootouts against the West Virginias and, and the like, so
0: yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, so that puts you at two and five, right? I'm at two and five, and I am back at a winning record at four and three. And again, I I second guessed everything because I don't think this is a winning team. But you know, I just kind of taking it game by game here. So, the Giants come back home for oh, sorry, sorry. They they go away. That that game is at home, by the way, at one o'clock. Um, then they go to Detroit for a one o'clock game. Um, love these one o'clock games. And I, I have this written down as a loss in pen. Everything about this feels like a loss. Um it, it's it's on the road. You know, from my standpoint, they have a winning record. I feel like they have a lot of momentum. You know, sure they lost to New England, but everyone loses to them. They beat Minnesota, they beat Arizona. Um they, you know, I assume at this point at four and three that they are. Second in the NFC East, tied for second maybe, and uh, you know with all that momentum, they go to Detroit, and they just get the shit kicked out of them. It's just the front seven of Detroit is is pretty stout, and it's I think a lot more a lot more a lot more talented all around than any of the other teams they've really faced at the, up to this point. And it it just creates. It's not the loss; it's the embarrassing loss, the silly mistakes, panic, carelessness. Those are the words that we see in uh, on the you know back of the post Monday morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've uh, we've never played well there. Um, I think the last time we played there was 2011, 2012. That first um, Monday night game of the season. Enough. I was
0: actually. Sure. I, th- I feel like it was thirteen or fourteen, but yeah, I, I remember yeah. you were there. Yeah,
1: I was at that game, and it, like, one of the guys who burnt us pretty badly in that game was one Golden Tate.
0: I think Calvin Johnson too. I think I think Johnson only had two catches, and they were both at the very beginning of the game, and one of them was for like eighty yards and a touchdown in the first yeah. quarter.
1: Yeah, but I, I remember Golden Tate was like if I remember correctly like consistently, basically doing the type of things we want him to do right now for this team. You know, yeah. move the chains, you know, like a 15-yard out or something. Just things like that. Then it was like – what? I remember saying a, a couple of bad words about him during the game. So oh. all is forgiven at this point.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I don't know. This one just doesn't look good to me.
1: Yeah, they are not going into – well, you know, it does help a little bit that this is a 1 o'clock Sunday game as well. A lot of 1 o'clock games this year. I don't like that.
0: Yeah, I mean I said that when they announced the schedule. I, I – I'm a fan of the 1 o'clock Sunday game. I feel like that is football to me. You know, the the, the, the sun is kind of still rising because it's like the dead of winter and everybody's outside <laughs> huddled together. I haven't mean, I, I
1: mean Halloween yet. <laughs> well, I, I,
0: I mean, in general, when I think of football Sundays, that's what I think of. It's guys bundled up, the, the only time of the day where the sun fucking rises. And, uh <laughs>
1: You mean the sun doesn't rise in New Jersey at uh, 7 p.m.?
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, like I, I you know, I you. you're I on the you. train back home, or at least I am, and it's a long train ride where you get off, and it's like darkness, and it's only like 5:20.
1: Hey, I mean, this is what we grew up with. We grew up watching game day, and then you know, game day's over at one o'clock, or if you remember even further back, watching the old. uh NBC or CBS pregame shows, not these stupid ones now, the old ones back in the day, you know, Bob Costas or Brent Musburger saying, okay, let's take you out now to Lambeau and it's one o'clock and about to kick off and you know, away we go. That's, okay. That was football. So it, it – also the flip side, that means we're pretty irrelevant and we don't have any primetime games or games that most people want to see, so.
0: Well, you know, it's all perspective. One man's irrelevant is another man sleeping on us, so. <laughs> I mean personally like I said i I don't care which one it is i I enjoy what I like and i I like going to the one o'clock games I think they're more fun I think it's more fun to kind of reflect on the day instead of just getting ready for work by the time you know what I mean like getting ready to go to bed for work in the morning
1: oh uh, night games night games are brutal I mean they're great if you're home and it's an away game or something and I don't think they're
0: know. ever great
1: so I mean Personally, if you know on a Sunday, because again, I do a lot of traveling for Florida games on Saturdays, and sometimes I just want to decompose on a Sunday or decompress <laughs> and decompose. Or
0: de- decompose,
1: maybe I should decompose the way it's been the last several years, but sometimes it's nice just to be like, okay, I can watch this game, I can do what I have to do during the day and re- at night. You know, going to giant games on Sunday nights is a pain in the ass. We all know that whether you drive, you take the train. It's a long evening, and by the time you get back, it is – and quite frankly, this is not the fan base that adds to that experience of a night game. This is not a place like Green Bay or even some small town like Indianapolis or Tampa Bay where Sunday night game, Monday night game is an event in that town where people at work are like, are you going to the game tomorrow? Where are you sitting? You know, It's it's exciting. They get excited that – the national spotlights on their city and you know there'll be articles in the local papers about oh there was a sighting of you know, Chris Collinsworth at some place or something. New York, you know, the fan base, we've talked about this a hundred times, they sell their tickets. They're trying to make an extra buck. So you either have the away fans showing up, you know, the meatheads that are not your regular fan base just looking to get really hammered and cause a scene. Or people just leaving because they want to beat traffic. So how many times have Grump and I been in a game where it's been a close game, fourth quarter? We're the only ones there. Stadium's half empty because people just bail. And forget about the fact that our normal crew that we sit around, people have had season tickets for 30, 40 years. You won't see them at a a Sunday or Monday night game. So I understand why it's done. And, you know, for an away game, I'm completely good with the, the night games, but. And I mean it also means the more you are, the more relevant you are you know in the league uh you know overall scope, but uh being buried on a one o'clock, no one will see maybe that's something that'll help us in detroit maybe their 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 fans won't be as into it. I don't know
0: yeah <laughs> that's that's a way to think of it I don't know i I like the one o'clock games, whether I'm at home watching it, at a bar watching it, at a visiting stadium, at a home stadium. I really don't like watching the night games. Just, just don't think they're as fun. Um, but nevertheless, a uh, lot of one o'clock games this this year, and I'm happy about it. I don't really care if that means we're irrelevant or you know, whatever. But so I, you know, I can put this in as a loss in what pen pencil.
1: I'm going a pen with this one. Yeah.
0: So that puts you at a brutal two and six
1: and me at a four and four. So just real let, quick let, let's talk about let's talk about this real quick before you get into that. Um what are the reactions to the media and the fan base at four and four and at two and six? What's your predictions?
0: I think at four and four they're a little bit more critical of the things that aren't going right than at two and six. I think at two and six you're kind of defeated and you're thinking about next year already.
1: Do you think the fan base at two and six is that forgiving? Like, well, let's get ready for next year, or are they like? No, they're not forgiving. Good, ahead, good. Ahead. I was gonna say, is is this fan base at two and six starting with the pitchforks for Gettleman? For why didn't we draft a pass rusher? You know, um, why did we trade Beckham? This is the return we got from Beckham. Again, I'm not saying these are logical arguments they're having. I'm saying, is that going to be the cliche from the average fan? and It's being, you know, kind of parroted by everybody in the media, or is it kind of, all right, we're still in this rebuild. We're, we're showing some progress, even though the, the record isn't there.
0: No, I don't think you hear that one too much. Here's what I think. I think you get basically the same people, whether you're four and four at this point or two and six at this point, but they're complaining about different things. They're both complaining. At four and four, they're complaining about the players. This guy's got to step up. Eli isn't cutting it anymore. We need to move on from him. You know, Golden Tate is not Odell Beckham. Uh, you know, maybe Mike Remmers was a mistake. We relied on him. We should have drafted a better right tackle. You know, I don't know stuff like that. When you're two and six, it's much more about top down. You still get the Eli thing, of course. Uh, And you'll you'll get the Daniel Jones should be starting, but you also get the Pat Shermer's a bad head coach. You know what's James Betcher doing? Why isn't our defense very good? Dave Gettleman's an idiot. You know that's that's the difference. And the other difference is that the the, even though it's basically the same group of people, the two and six ones are louder than the four and four ones.
1: Do you think the four and four fans on the flip side are going to be unrealistically talking about the playoffs?
0: Yes, I think that's the other. I think you get a lot more infighting at the 4-4. Four and four. You get guys, you know, criticizing the players and guys apologizing for the players. And then you kind of get the extremes and nobody is really logically in the middle, which is kind of where this team is. Like you said, the improvements are there even though they're really not done rebuilding. Um, nobody's really saying that except for the smart guys on that Just Giants podcast. You know the rest <laughs> of the uh, the fan base is at the extremes. Like, we're 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 good. We're going to the playoffs this year. Gentlemen did it. It's all Barkley. You know, whatever. And then since, you get the other people who are like, well, you know, if if we had hired Lewis Riddick and drafted blah 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 blah, we'd be <laughs> seven and one. You know,
1: if since we're playing Nostradamus, that four and four you seed is that a playoff four and four? Or is that a Slightly overachieving, but not as good as the record four and four.
0: I think it's overachieving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, it, I, it's the the wins are kind of like the wins we had in twenty sixteen. You know, the low scoring, this just like ugly. You know, field goal wins. You know, nothing that ever really feels like dominant, except for that Arizona game.
1: Um, I see. You know, the only chance that this is not if it, if they're four and four. And the only chance I see them as being a legit four and four and more like a legit playoff potential for a four and four is if this offensive line gels immediately, no injuries across that offensive line. And, you know, you see some growth pretty quickly in in the secondary. I think that's, you might see the potential that offensive line plays the potential we think is and can stay consistently healthy, I think this team can put up some points. I think it could be one it may not be the greatest defense in the world, but I think they can start playing some shootouts potentially. This is best case scenario now, is this whole offensive line going to be healthy? I mean, we're not starting off healthy right now, certainly not. and uh, you know, is Eli you know really fall off the deep end this year without the you know the excuses of the offensive line and everything and we don't know. that's definitely to remain to be seen. but I would agree with you. If, if we are four and four at this point, it's going to be closer to smoke and mirrors than saving up for playoff tickets.
0: I don't think it's smoke and mirrors so much as it's um, coincidence. Not not coincidence, but
1: circumstance. We circumstance,
0: played. yeah. It's just the right things at the right time. Um, I think you know, like the right improvements are made at the right time. this mm-hmm. is a, this is a team on the upswing, but you know. It's just it you can tell just by watching if you watch the games it's not a very good team. Yeah. But if if you choose to be the idiot who just, you know, reads the score, looks at the standings, you'd be tricked into thinking this team is better than they are. But and yeah. again, at the end of the day they'll be as good as the record says there is. Mhm.
1: I just I, I really just hope that we don't have, you know, a fan base that just is you know, if we end up being, you know, the the would I say we're two and six at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's going to happen. I just hope it doesn't really happen of the fire, everybody, you know, laughing stock by the national media and the fan base in revolt.
0: Yeah, no, I do Not exactly I, I, what I'm hoping I, for.
1: Yeah. I, I don't want to see Eli Manning's final days here in a half empty stadium where people are just fighting over everything. And, um, you know, I, don't want him, I don't want him to go out the way Patrick Ewing did in his last couple of years with with the Knicks. I mean, everything comes around, and revisionist history always happens. That in five years from now, Eli will be beloved by the entire fan base like Patrick Ewing is now. But it was definitely a very divis- divisive issue his final year or two with the Knicks, and we're seeing it now with, with, with Eli. And you know, the worst possible scenario is we play bad, he plays bad and they decide to extend him one more year <laughs> and then people really go nuts. That
0: see that would be a mistake, but I mean otherwise you know I I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of it for this this week's season preview. Like I said, the Giants have a, a couple of OTA practices coming up um in the next couple of days uh starting today if you're listening to this on Tuesday um and it's just 3 this week and then i believe there's a mini camp next week um then so so next week we'll return maybe maybe if there's any updates from OTA that are worth talking about something maybe somebody's generating a little bit of buzz or something like that but for the most part unlikely we'll continue our season recap and then following that will be a giants town hall on june 11th
1: you know grump Speaking out loud. We may be able to do a uh, a remote broadcast from that right after the show is over.
0: It's totally possible.
1: And we don't have nothing else to do with our lives and uh
0: <laughs> that might work. Well, that's what you say. I've got a beer here, so I've always <laughs> <got some>
1: been. <laughs> so, where are we going to so you people, you know, you enjoy this fine program, where can they find us? Once again.
0: Well, you guys all find us by whatever app you choose to subscribe to us to. Um, but when you tell your friends at work why you know so much about the Giants and what podcast you listen to, you can tell them all the fantastic places they can find us, which is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, you know, Podbean, soon iHeartRadio, maybe Spotify after that. Who knows? But basically everywhere, but definitely those spots. And additionally, for all the fans who are maniacs and need to know even more in-depth stuff on Twitter <laughs> – at football underscore grump, doesn't shut up about the Giants. Yes.
1: And at at the cranky fan doesn't shut up about anything. So I've been <laughs> engaged in a lot of verbal warfare the last few days about my Tampa Bay Rays. The, state, the direction of my uh, overachieving yet underwhelming uh, second place Tampa Bay Rays. But we also talk a lot about the Giants, obviously, the Rays um, – New York City FC soccer you name it we talk about it all so uh give me a follow on twitter at the cranky fan
0: let me tell you something you guys would never guess the Rays are in second place if you follow him on twitter
1: (laughs) you watch him long enough you'd never figure it out as well either
0: (laughs) oh man we have fun here all right um that's it for us we'll see you next week have a good week Go Giants. go
1: Giants